And now, as part of our broadcasting agreement with the European Union, we hand over to Parisian Death Trip with Benjamin and Killian. Bonjour et bienvenue dans l'épisode de cette semaine de Parisian Death Trip. Je suis votre hôte Benjamin et avec moi, ma co-animatrice Killian. Bonjour Benjamin. Killian, aujourd'hui nous allons pas du suivi des muses après le succès Origin of Symmetry. Absolution est sorti en 2003 et le church a propulsé le groupe de jeux populaires dans la conscience générale de l'auditeur de musique moderne, mais aussi populaire qui peut être le groupe. Il y avait un public qui n'aimait pas mousse et qui les trouvait élitistes et arrogantes. Oui, les chanteurs de mousse m'appellent provoquent chez certaines personnes les mêmes genres de réaction qu'un sandwich au camembert et au Antoine Marine. C'est un saveur une unique que beaucoup de jeunes appréciants, mais elle n'est pas aussi nourrissante que celle de Deftones ou d'autres frottements charismatiques. Dirais-vous, Kylian, que le sentiment de je ne sais quoi à l'égard des muses provenientes de le dépris conquiqué Bellamy est un bout lui-même comme nos avocats nous ont dit de le dire Oui, je le ferai, mais je pense que c'est injuste. Nous, 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 nous allons faire un court pause café et futilaire un certain Emmanuel Kant. À notre retour, nous continuerons à parler de la dualité de l'homme. Appréciant les couverts, apologies, appréciant les ouverts en chance et l'utente ensuite pour trouver du mérite à un bon album. Joue une mauvaise attitude. En entendant votre un mot de gobshit industrie et de leur travail actuel sur les passages des pattes de grenouilles. En attendant, un au revoir, au revoir, goodbye. You know, if you didn't catch the subtitles amongst all of that, we're basically talking about Muse's absolution today. And you might be wondering, why did we go all out with roping in our European counterparts, Parisian Death Trip, um, to lead the intro for this episode? Well, I'll let Reese explain this one, because just to throw him under the bus for a minute, our well-regarded, insightful, intrepid journalist Reese, for some reason, thought that Muse were a French band. When I asked him why he thought that they were a French band, the response I got was, because they dressed French. So Reese, now you know after all of these years that Muse are a British band, does that affect the way that you view them now, that English is not their second language? Oh man, I uh, thought this might come up. Yeah, you dogged me there. Yeah, you thought, you, you absolutely had this coming, man, when we planned the episode. Like, Tom Morrison, long-time listener, was asking, Hey guys, uh, you ever thought about doing Muse? Like, they were one of those bands. And so I suggested it to you, and then like half an hour later, you hit me up on WhatsApp going, Wait, Muse aren't French? Like, <laughs> like Matt Bellamy's not really a French name. Like, Mathieu Bellamy. But I like, don't see race. I don't see nationalities. I just hear music. You don't see it. Everything Matt wears is kind of like, pointy and that's a very french male thing i think everything's sort of pointy and he wore those shirts that like you know the plain black shirts that were just a little bit too tight for him you know and showed off his scrawny oh, little edgelord yeah. arms and i think um hullabaloo correct me if i'm wrong a live dvd that i loved and i remember sort of being torn because i remember getting it around the same time as mudvane's uh, ld50 
sort of one. And I was like, I think I like the Muse one better. And I couldn't believe myself, but I'm pretty sure that was recorded uh, in Paris. At any point when they did, when you were watching Hullabaloo and they spoke to the crowd, at no point did you think, well, that's a really good British accent that that French. I do got. have distinct memories of like reading the lyrics and being like, that is amazing for like someone whose first language isn't English. Like, and I still think that. I remember probably when like Supermassive Black Hole came out, I'm like, wow, these guys, like, they write some lyrics, like Knights of Sidonia. And you know what? You learn things on this podcast. You re- It's a real journey of learning. When we were talking about the podcast, you, we both agreed that the first two albums were fantastic, uh, which was Origin of Symmetry and the first album Reese was. Showbiz. And then Absolution came around. And so what changed aside from the fact that now everything's changed because you know that they're not French? But what changed between that time period between Origin of Symmetry, which I think is a really good album, and Absolution, which from a technical standpoint, yes, it's good and it did well and it was very popular, but I don't I can't quite put my finger on it yet, maybe at the end of the episode, but it just seemed very fucking convoluted. That's not to say that there weren't amazing tracks on Absolution. I think that Hysteria is brilliant, but... Do you think their personality started to affect the way a lot of older fans felt about the band? Listening to this, I used to be like you, you know, and now I've sort of gone into my cocoon and I've come out a beautiful butterfly. Sugar, baby. I don't think Showbiz and Origin of Symmetry hot up as much as an album as Absolution. I think this fucking album is a banger. Great song after great song and less of those stupid, like, you know, those stupid muse riffs where he's just sort of hitting all the frets and it, those weak-ass rock songs. We're of an age where we had to program in our own polyphonic ringtones on our Nokia 3310. <laughs> and I'm damn sure everyone at some stage or another that likes alternative music and had that phone did plug in the intro to plug in Baby. And so that, I think that's defining kind of like guitar wank when it comes to Muse. This sort of guitar wank on this ab- album, Absolution, I think it's it's fine. I think it's really, really... Good. I actually think it's one of the best albums we've talked about in the, in that it's a whole album and there's that varied songwriting that I'm sort of pining for in recent episodes because we've been doing fucking dry kill logic. But you can tell each song is Muse and maybe that comes down to Matt Bellamy's voice. But I think this is the perfect thing that I was talking about on the Deftones White Pony episode, all those episodes back where you've got a band who's sort of figured out the studio on the first two records and on that third album, they take that big leap. You know, I'll put it up there with Deftones, White Pony, Kings of Leon because of the time, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, Queens of the Stone Age songs for the deaf and Radiohead's OK Computer. Like that's big. Like you can tell they're striving for something bigger and more. And then I think what happens is post absolution, they fall off that precipice and then just like fall into the, the super massive black hole. Just fucking wank songs about absolutely nothing. They get sucked up their own ass. Yeah, but Knights of Sidonia was on Supermassive Black Hole, right? Yeah, I couldn't handle that song at the time. Were I not? What about now in retrospect? Especially now you know that they're English. Oh, now that they're English, everything's changed. No, it still sucks. In fact, it makes it worse that I know they're English now because I'm like, oh, I understand how much of a like ripoff of Queen you were doing. Oh, that's a big call. Well, they are very aware of, like, Queen's place within the United Kingdom and their legacy and not just from, like, the Wayne's World soundtrack or anything like that. So I would say that Knights of Sidonia is an obvious sort of homage, if you will, to Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, yeah, no, I agree with that. But then in the same way, you could have someone turn around and justify Jesus of Suburbia then as Green Day's take on Bohemian Rhapsody. So I guess it's all kind of relative. Yeah, but I would say that Green Day weren't reaching as high as Muse were. So do you think that might be the problem then that people had with Muse wasn't so much, you know, the album and their their musical output at that point in time? Do you think maybe it's a touch of tall poppies that they wanted to be something bigger than where they were? Because at this, around the same time, Ash had their great big comeback uh, with Meltdown, and so they both played Leeds Festival when I went to see them, but it seemed that even though Ash had been playing for a lot longer 
and they they captured the real kind of every person like yo we we used to be fans as well we've we've been doing this since we're teenagers so it kind of conjured up images of them grafting and grinding to get that point in time and then when muse came out the first thing they did was bring two massive helium balloons into the middle of the crowd which didn't last do you think that that might have been muse then as part of their reaching maybe also thinking that they were a lot better than a lot of people give them credit for confidence self-belief or arrogance i think there's lofty ambitions and i think with lofty ambitions you know that can bring a bit of arrogance and self-belief showbiz is an amazing debut yeah like a really really strong debut that is more confident than it really deserves to be and muscle museum was so different when it first came out oh Oh, brilliant it had that real kind of melancholy that you would expect from maybe an 80s new wave kind of band and then it just kicked into like you know modern alternative rock i was absolutely brilliant yeah and i think muscle museum is a really good example of matt bellamy's ability to write a song that just keeps going to the next level the chorus kicks in you're like holy shit and then that bridge comes in you're like holy fuck and it just sounds big but then they go from that sort of bombastic stuff to something like supermassive black hole and if you haven't heard that listeners it's a total dross wank Like that, there's nothing in that song. Like, but people liked it. And I'm really happy Thomas asked us to go back to this album because I'm like, I'm fully back in on this album. Like, I really, really, really like it. And I remember seeing them play Time Is Running Out, at Big Day Out, and just losing my mind to it. Like, realizing halfway through that I was screaming along, you know, when there's like. And I'm like, ah, just screaming, you know, getting sunburnt. A year a bit later, they were back to do a, a big arena tour. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to see him because I don't like Knights of Sidonia and I'm sort of over this band, but I still think this album is awesome. I do like the album, but it brings back some pretty painful memories for myself. Uh, I mean, there are some absolute bangers on it. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Time Is Running Out. Uh, maybe that makes me a contrarian because... That was their biggest hit to date at the time in the UK charts. But I absolutely love the riffage on Stockholm Syndrome. I thought the riffage on Hysteria had a real cool kind of groove to it. I mean, Sing for Absolution was all right, but I wasn't bigger than Symphonics. But that's my favorite song. Listening. (laughs) Oh, well, that's a shame. We're definitely not going to get along during this episode, are we? I liked the fact, even though I, I wasn't a huge fan of Sing for Absolution... I can appreciate the fact that they went for a real symphonic kind of sound with that track. Kind of like um, Emotion Sickness by Silverchair. Uh, You know, that grandiosity kind of like really big sounds. If anything, the pace of the album is something I need to give credit for as well. It, It does seem kind of like from start to finish, there is kind of like they've taken a real interest in the pacing of the album like where the songs are going the structures and everything like that rather than just kind of like oh yeah we'll we'll stick a single in at the start and a single in the middle and a single at the end and and that'll be it it seemed like there was a bit of care i mean they've got a song called intro and interlude which i would just consider oh yeah no 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 man but if you focus it on more of the orchestral the kind of grandeur You've mentioned Queen and one of Queen's kind of modus operandi was they wanted to bring the theatre to musical audiences. Could you not forgive them on this occasion for having a song called Intro and Interlude when you confine it into the idea that this is a big theatrical kind of, or like a music version of a theatrical number or a theatrical show? I mean, yeah, I can let it slide. I mean, what's done is done, oh, but I'm not that's happy aw- about it. Awfully, awfully good of you to let it slide, man. But yeah, I, I thought the pacing was was on point. 100% agree. Even the songs that start off slower end up with something a bit bigger and heavier that you don't see coming. You're like, oh, all right. Even, I did like Interlude. I like that sort of droney, stars of the lid-esque sort of stuff as well. I just think this is a fucking great album. And it's such a shame they fell 
just into their own asses. But it's kind of one of those situations. I don't know if you can relate to this, but when you're a teenager and you're hanging out with this, like, you know, you've got like a big group of people. I don't know how these groups form and I don't know where they go, but they sort of dissipate as you get older and everyone's sort of getting fucked up and doing stuff at the same time. And there's one guy and he might say a few fuck things. And everyone's like, oh, it's a bit weird, whatever. But you kind of keep going and hanging out every weekend and you're partying. And then one day a bit of light from a lantern or something will hit his hand and he's like, oh, I think Jesus is speaking to me. And you're like, oh, you've gone too far, man. And then all of a sudden, you know, a few years later, you see him, he's in a ska band and he's sort of like into dumpster diving and he's wearing the same clothes he was wearing, you know, seven months ago and he's just not functioning well. And, and you go, oh, what happened, man? But looking back, there are all these signs. And what I mean by that is Muse kind of like became pretty fucking painful. But then you look back at the clues and like at the start of this album, they start with that sort of clapping and marching beat and they yell, Sig Heil, march at the start of the album, you know, which obviously means hail to victory, march. And we know what Sig Heil is linked to. At the start of Starlight, there's Morse code. They clap out the word tits. Cool. Matt uses his zipper from his trousers as a sound at the end of like space dementia. They use the llama's toenails as an instrument in Screenager and in United States of Eurasia. It's like, oh, yeah, you guys were fucking... There's clear breadcrumbs here to know that you were going to end up writing a song called, like, Compliance. And if you look through their more recent discography, you've got song titles like Resistance, Uprising, The Globalist, Propaganda, Thought Contagion, Won't Stand Down, and the new album is called Will of the People. And allow me to go on a bit of a tangent here, Benji. A A tangent or rant? Definitely a rant. So... I can't remember who it was, but it was some politician. I want to say he was running for Senate and I I cannot find the quote and I've tried to find the source. He said, I don't know if Donald Trump is a racist, but his supporters seem to think he is and that's why they like him. Now, I don't think Muse are anti-vaxxers sort of QAnon people, but they go dangerously close to that edge. Yeah. And with this thing about compliance, it is such a fucking funny thing with bands, right? Because you go, okay. We're a band and we're against government control and just saying yes and being compliant. You know, it's like, okay, what are we going to do about it? It's like, all right, let's write songs. They're going to start with four clicks and we all start in time. Now let us tune. Otherwise it's going to sound bad. Now let's rehearse and rehearse and rehearse it for the show. Let's do some pre-production. Let's hire a bigger space so we can test the lights. Okay. Now let's play to a click. So the video screen syncs up with us. Now let's get our paperwork in for artist visas. Oh, the label wants us to do a photo shoot. Okay. What time is the magazine interview? Oh, when can we publish the YouTube video? When do we release the single? What time does the label say we can release the album? Oh, what time are we on? What time does the show finish? What time is load-in? Are there enough security guards at the venue? What time can we check in at the hotel? They're playing stadiums, which are incredibly strict. And meanwhile, they're getting up on stage. It's like, all right, guys, you can rant against the system. You've got an hour 15, be off at 11, 12. Otherwise, you're going to get fined by the city. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, we will. Never surrender. Do what you want. (laughs) Fuck off, cunts. The whole system, you've been doing exactly what they want. You forgot also that, you know, in terms of compliance, that, yeah, man, we're against compliance. Everybody jump the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I went to the Muse website. They've got so many different record bundles, shirts, hoodies, socks, like 20-pound socks, necklaces, mugs, hats, bags, notebooks, beanies, stickers, sheet music, and baby onesies. Will of the people, give us your fucking money. Alex Jones, the frogs are going gay, buy my vitamins. It's an absolute fucking con and absolute bullshit. Matt Bellamy's got his own solo stuff and he's selling like NFTs. It's a fucking cash grab and it's grim. I I don't know, man. Like I have a very complex, difficult relationship, it seems, with Muse. I... I enjoy them on a musical level, but Matt Bellamy just... I don't know why, but... It just seems to come across as very, very unlikable. Just very kind of up his own ass is probably a phrase that has been used to describe him quite a lot. But also, I just all right. I gotta be real careful because we've we've crossed. We might be edging a few lines on this one. But I think that he's a faux intellectual. I think that he bases a lot of his ideas on information on the internet cool it's a resource out there for everything but i think some of the places maybe like pre QAnon or maybe you know he's he spent a lot of time on 4chan at one point and thought oh man this is interesting and edgy 
I got the feeling at one point that Matt Bellamy thought, yeah, I'm, I can do whatever the fuck I want. We're like one of the biggest bands in the world. I'm going to troll and I'm going to be a bit of an edgelord. I'm going to cancel a concert because I believe an asteroid's going to hit the earth. Fuck what everyone else thinks. That's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stockpile baked beans and have an axe because I believe in a doomsday scenario. But I bet he's the kind of guy, and this makes me a hypocrite like myself, that believes that the extinction level event that we have will be a grey goo scenario rather than an asteroid. Are you familiar with the grey goo theory? Not at all. Nanotech technology self-replicating itself to the point that it just starts to self-replicate everything from organic matter onwards to the point where we're basically all being enslaved by nanotechnology. Oh, it sounds like a new Muse album, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Man. Let's you be read the press release, you know, yeah. I don't think they cancelled a concert. From what I gathered... That he cancelled a press conference because there was talk of an asteroid hitting New York, right? And on a tr- on the trip in 2006, he thought it was going to wipe out the entire East Coast. So he insisted on conducting his press interviews in a helicopter. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, as you mentioned, he stockpiled baked beans and an axe in anticipation for the end of the world. Look, consider this arrogant, but if I was rummaging through the world after an asteroid had hit you know australia and i'm just looking for shelter and any sort of resource and i come across matt bellamy with some baked beans and an axe i'm just gonna laugh and take the axe like i'm not (laughs) intimidated by that guy one bit get a shirt that fits put down your pointy guitar (laughs) and if he gets pissed off for you just turn around and say hey matt just sing for absolution forgive me don't worry about it yeah i don't know if part uh, uh, maybe he does believe these things. Maybe part of it's him trying to be like edgy and like quirky. Like, yeah, I'm a I'm a weird guy. Did you know that September 11th was an inside job? You know, one of those kind of uh, again pre kind of 4chan becoming this big epic thing. Do you reckon before like the internet became a really big thing, people were basing their personality off Encarta 99? I downloaded Encarta Encarta 95. Believe it or not, I had to set up a a bloody virtual machine on my computer just to just to go into it and you don't have to anymore ladies and gentlemen you can just go on instagram and hashtag vaporwave it is effectively in carter well the lockdown really got to matt because he started to make this sort of solo stuff that is no good but he went to his backyard to film the video and it's just him with like some sunnies on singing into his iphone he's done a cheap iMovie effect where it's like duplicated on both sides and it's called Tomorrow's World, and it is a song that goes absolutely nowhere. Body is stronger, your mind is it's basically John Mayer's Your Body's a Wonderland on Ketamine. <laughs> No, because I'd still fuck to um, your body is a wonderland. <laughs> on Speaking Kenderman. of fucking, man, Matt would probably film it. Matt uh. filmed Dom having sex. And he's like, this is a direct quote. He'll probably deny it, of course. But I've got video footage to prove it. I played it to him the other day and he didn't even recognize his own dick. He thought it was me. I was quite insulted, actually. No, seriously. After a party one night, I went back to the dressing room and it was all dark. I heard some strange squelching noises in the corner. So I went out and got a video camera with night vision on it. I went back and got the last 10 seconds just as he went. What about the poor person, the other person in that situation? Yeah, but that Matt Bellamy, he's edgy. He's cool. Oh, he'll film, he'll film the lads having sex. He's like Elon Musk, maybe. Elon Musk's a massive nerd with a lot of money and kind of like a lot of you know, psychic capital behind them that it's like, yeah, I can do what I want. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, like, allegedly have a threesome with Cara Delvini and Amber Heard, you know. Allegedly, so Reese's lawyers have told us to say. Fuck, do we need to get our lawyers across this episode anyway? Have we gone too hard on Matt Bellamy? No, I think it gets allegedly. harder. Well, I know, because, you know, because this is going to get cross-referenced over to the European Union, uh, a, a good friend's Parisian death trip with Benjamin and Killian. <laughs> Uh, it'll be fine. There's different laws uh, uh, in in the EU. Even though I'm not in the EU, being in England, and you're not in the EU, being in Fucktown. I look at Matt Bellamy, and I think, yeah, he's a good musician. They've written some great stuff, but I don't know why. I just he, he just seems like a prick. 
And I'm not alone in thinking that. I was at that very same Leeds Festival that they played. Muse decided that backstage they jump up onto uh, a, a catering truck so they could look over and watch, I think it was Ash again, that were playing at the time. And I kid you not, everyone just started to bottle fucking Muse. What kind of band brings two large helium balloons and puts them in the middle of the crowd? And expects them to survive before they even hit the stage. Those shits were popped, man. Those shits were popped so quick. And I think that's just a level of, like, maybe a bit of faux intellectualism. Like, I'm smarter than you. That kind of attitude. And it's like, oh, it's really cool that you guys kind of, like, played a a live se- a live session. But you guys did it in uh, a television appearance. And you guys swapped members, and it was like, oh, this is Matt Bellamy, and it's actually the drummer. Like, oh, that, that's, that's pretty funny. I'm pretty sure Oasis and Nirvana. They do some really interesting stuff. There's nothing more interesting than, like, taking the piss out of people that are trying to propel your brand a little more. Well, wait, what did you think when Nirvana did it then? And they were top of the pops, so like, no, you have to sing and mime the rest. I didn't. I didn't say that, did I? I was talking about their brand. I mean, when Nirvana did it, it was par for course. I like Nirvana. I love Nirvana, but I'm not. I'm not making any excuses that Kurt Cobain, in retrospect, had a bit of a douchebag kind of side to him. Absolutely, but it was kind of bearable because he was our douchebag. And I feel with Matt Bellamy, I I can't really relate to him. Therefore his dickish behavior becomes even more amplified so maybe it's one of those albums reese where i i like it but i can't really enjoy it because the time and place i was in when that came out i just did not like it bad headspace bad juju filming your bandmate having sex is pretty fucking gross without consent isn't that a crime surely what happens if you decided oh, i'm gonna upload it that's what we consider revenge porn at this point in time is it not yeah. And, you know, this guy that's really kind of like, oh, you know, we need to be careful, save the earth and stuff like that. That cunt has 140 fucking guitars that he, he wrecks pretty much on every single fucking show that he taught. How is that sustainable? Yeah, he set the world record, didn't he, for most guitars smashed in the year. At their very first battle, battle of the bands, they won it and they smashed their guitars at the end and they're like, oh, we actually won. And I think after that, they quit their jobs to focus on the band. Like, that's some confidence. And there are their early sets from 1994 up on YouTube that I suggest you go look at, guys, because you'll realize it's not the same band. It's a very, 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 very sort of raw band. But I can't believe listening to that, they felt it was okay to quit their job. But maybe we're sort of the wrong people to ask. Maybe we need sort of an expert on the case. Okay. They call me Mr. Muse. Oh, Mr. Muse. Good morning, how are you? I'm Mr. Muse. Sadly, I found my doctorate in Muse, and I'm not a real doctor, but I am a real Muse fan. I'm an actual, like, real-life Muse fan up until Absolution. I live like a Muse fan. I like to listen to Muse. Up to Absolution. Hello, I am Mr. Muse, the third cousin of Dr. Drums, and... Look, the world of academia is not for everyone. You know, I don't need a a stinking piece of paper from some fancy university to tell me that I know a lot about Muse. Everything I've learned about Muse has been on the streets from the School of Hard Knocks, and that's worth more than money can buy. So let's get into why this album rules. The first track on the album, Apocalypse, please. It's big, it's bombastic, it's busy, but not convoluted and it feels like it's going somewhere and it feels like it's got something to say but it's not all just like space guitars and fluttering pianos listen to this driving chorus in time is running out and if you know me you know i love Huge, soaring choruses with guitars being shredded up high, piano laid underneath. Listen to this and sing for absolution. The song that gave the album the name. 
And just when you thought it couldn't go bigger, it takes that next step. Have a listen to this genius songwriting on Stockholm Syndrome. Beautiful drumming here. No snare drum. Steady on the kick. Building up. Fuzzy bass. Drop it. Pan synthesizer. Bring in the snare. Not too busy. Still driving. Soaring vocals. Fuck yeah! You want strings? Absolution's got strings. You want Radiohead, Kid A, Aero, Amnesiac ripoffs? Fuck yeah, Absolution delivers on that. You want a song that could have been on the White Album? Have you heard of Muses Falling Away With You? Track 6 on Absolution? It only goddamn rules. And who could forget the best song on the album, Thoughts of a Dying Atheist. You can never go wrong with this drum beat. Set one on a loop pedal and just jam along. You'll write a hit. I guarantee you're tapping your feet and you're swaying your head. Beautiful. What a fucking great album. I can't imagine an episode where I'll ever be invited back on, so I just want to say it's been a real honour. Hashtag 35k life forever. If destroyed, still true. Back to you in the studio. Thank you, Mr. Muse. Um, maybe go back to uni and get your doctorate, and then we can have you on a bit more regularly. But yeah, uh, no, definitely. I mean, like, just because his name is Mr. Muse doesn't necessarily mean he has to always comment on Muse whatsoever. Yeah, I'd like to hear his thoughts on Crazy Town next week. Mr. Muse on Crazy Town. Mr. Muse on Crazy Town. <laughs> <laughs> it's become quite evident that you are definitely a fan of this album. And like I've just messaged you now, I like the album. I just don't like the band members. I, I really don't. But Are we being too hard on the other two band members? Like, Dom is a great drummer. The bass player is apparently like in a folk band in his small little country town pub. I don't think he's gone full L.A., I feel like it's Matt Bellamy sort of taking him down with him, but they are there of their own volition, I think, hanging out with him as well. So uh, maybe he's a great guy. I don't know. To me, I wouldn't hang out with him. I, don't, I wouldn't seem excited to hang out with him, but maybe we're being harsh. But I think they got high on their own supply. Yeah. That's what I think. And as a result, their songwriting suffered. It lost its edge. It lost a lot of its creativity, and it just became quite bland. As they became blander as a band, they were starting to sing about more so like, quote unquote, edgy sort of like, you know, the media is lying to you sort of stuff. And it's just like, all right, well, you don't really have much to say. It's just these, again, vague gesturings to like, hey, deep state, am I right? And, and Matt Bellamy's quite kind of boring with what he wants to do anyway. He's like, oh, he's obsessed with like jetpacks and playing a gig in space. Like they're, they've been honestly inquiring about how to play a gig in space. It's like, Space is one of the most fascinating things, yeah, one of the most fucking boring things. Like, it is infinitely... Yeah, I, I mean, like, you could watch Alex Cox, Dr. Alex Cox, talk about space, or you could watch Carl Sagan, or... Uh, or Russell Brand. Fuck Russell Brand. <laughs> I absolutely want... No, fuck it. Russell Brand and Matt Bellamy, that's a good comparison of two people that infinitely think that their opinion is worth more than everyone else. The only difference is people will listen to what uh, Russell Brand has to say because he talks quite elegantly. Little pauses now and again, quite a flowery language, if you will, Reese. you know, to tell people the truth about the news that perhaps, oh, I don't know, a gentleman like myself might not realise whatsoever what is happening in the world of mass media consumption and everything. That was my Russell Brand impression, you know. I, I like Knights of Sidonia. That's, I mean, mainly speaking because it came, it came across with that 
Ozploitation feel uh, in terms of the music video. Uh, and I like the grindhousey kind of like nasty B movie aspect of it, but Starlight can get to fuck. Yeah, maybe this was the last <laughs> really, really good Muse album. Maybe it was. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It is a great album. I think the highs on some of Showbiz are potentially higher, but I get bored of those rock riffs after a while. But this, I think, is, is a whole album. And, and one of the very few whole albums that we've talked about in, in near 69 episodes or whatever. Right? It's a, up there then with uh, Linkin Park's hybrid theory in terms of repeatability. I'd say it's more repeatable. Oh, um, not as repeatable as oh. Cold, 13 Ways to Bleed on Stage. Oh, yeah, one of the greatest no, uh, albums of our generation. Absolutely repeatable. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know, I wish I could just have a crystal ball sometimes to get a bit of an idea what exactly you feel about an album because i thought that you were going to come into this one swinging like nah it's boring derivative bah 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 no uh but it's not but i think maybe this advert might help clear some things in the future maybe it could help open your third eye and experience the power of true knowledge or thereabouts Almostradamus has long been involved in a spiritual journey, discovering the truth through positive ions and clean agro-vegan eating to experience insights into the future with eerie accuracy. I've got an order here for a flat white with oat milk and a shot of vegan toffee for Almostradamus. But, but how did you know? It is both a blessing and a curse. Almost Radamus has worked with a number of celebrities, informing them of their future paths, ensuring their legacy is fulfilled with eerie accuracy. So we're gonna play a gig on this date. No. No! What, what is it, almighty Almost Radamus? There is a series of rocks. They'll cause the end of the world. The end! <sighs> Alright. All right, old Mr. Dramas. Guys, cancel the show at Stone Ends. There's going to be a series of rocks that's going to cause problems. <laughs> His knowledge of the future has helped such entertainment stalwarts <laughs> as News, Kelly Clarkson, and Drumheller with eerie accuracy. Oh, man. This intro is pretty meandering. Wait for the drop. Oh, Lord, that took a turn. How did you know? I see all, and I know most things. <laughs> hey, Almost Radamus. Um, was September 11th an inside job? Yes. But no. There's a lot of information on the intranet that indicates otherwise. Please gently shake me and try again later. Right, so you're just a magic eight ball that we've imagined as talking. A shared delusion that is an inanimate object with a turban. Which is cultural appropriation, might I add. That can predict the future. Is, is that right? The outlook doesn't look good. Discover your path. Call 0800 800 800 8 triple H 8 0800 800 800 8 triple H 8 Thanks, almost Stradamus. I almost wasted my monies on Apple stocks in the 80s. <laughs> Thank God he suggested Natari. If you don't believe the immense Susan powers of Almost Radamus, maybe you're not engaging in the shared delusion hard enough with the rest of us. I used to take all my advice from Q, but since my husband got arrested for a little gathering on Capitol Hill, I've been asking for advice from Almost Stradamus. Now I'm taking my medication again and loving the repeal of Roe vs Wade. Don't you think that idolizing a false prophet might anger God? No, God hates people that have no faith in Almost Stradamus. Almost Stradamus. Call 0800. I'm, I'm, I'm having an asthma attack here. Can someone else read off the phone number? I'm having a premonition. You will not be able to find your inhaler. Thanks, Almost Stradamus, for stating something that is mathematically a case of probability. <gasps> Burn the witch! She's not a believer and she's a dirty, dirty liberal! 
didn't see this coming. What? What? Why is there a fucking fire in the recording booth? Uh, my asthma for a start. What? What the fuck? Yeah, I'm not liking the clientele that uh, <laughs> almost Stradamus brings, but you know, pretty indicative about the ridiculous nature of uh, that's politics, ladies and gentlemen. You get on Batcho Death Trip, a good <laughs> dose of sarcastic politics that in no way, shape, or form could ever be edited out of context to make me look bad at all, ever. I love the ads that you source seem to have no end. Like, you think it's ending and then just goes into more characters and more introductions. It is truly a roller coaster of love. What what additional characters were there? Well, just as I was thought, oh, the ad is finished. You, you have this character talking about investing in Apple stocks. It's not a character. That's actually a person, <laughs> Bill McGundy. Bill oh, Mc Uncle Cracker. Truly amazing. I love that ad. Thank you to that company. You know, in the uh, in the intro as well, if people want a bit of uh, a a bit of nerd Batcho death trip knowledge, you might have heard uh, Matt Bellamy's name said in the intro, and you might have also heard Gobshite Industries. Any any suggestions, ideas, what uh, Benjamin and Killian were referring to in the introduction on Parisian death trip? Is Matt signed with Gobshite Industries? No, no. So Killian. Killian equated Matt Bellamy's appeal as very kind of polarizing, almost like uh, Jambon or Camembert et anchois marine. So very much like a Camembert and pickled anchovy sandwich. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a very French way of thinking of things. Listeners, that is why it's worth getting Duolingo and learning French so you can really appreciate the comedic genius of Baccio Death Trip, you know? This album was almost called Universal Maladies. Uh, Chris was quoted as saying that in 2002. And obviously they went with Absolution. And that's a, it's a good album title. But Benji, I've got a game for you, if you would like to play a game. Of course you do. So I'm going to give you the album. Yeah. And then I'm going to give you three options. Okay. One of them is what the album was going to be called before it was changed. Oh, to. Lord. Okay. So I've made up two of them. One of them is correct. Are you ready? Reese, if you would, hit the tick. The Smiths, The Queen is Dead. Was it going to be called Margaret on the Guillotine, Thatcherism, Masochism, or The Thundersuckle Fuzz Canyon? I want to say Margaret on the Guillotine. Yeah, yeah! Well done. It sounds, sounds like a very Morrissey thing. Margaret on the Guillotine. When I saw Morrissey live a few years ago, it was so funny. Everyone was so into it. But then it was because it was a bunch of like 53-year-old men. Halfway through, they all just started to do the same backstretch. So good. <laughs> Did they all cry when How Soon Is Now played? No. Um, all the Charmed fans stood up and cheered. But then Morrissey played like a 14-minute documentary about why meat is in fact murder. Oh. Nirvana in utero. Was that going to be called Tired of Piss? The Thunder Suckle Fuzz Canyon or Verse Chorus Verse? Uh, wasn't it going to be called Verse Chorus Verse? Yeah, yeah! Two points to you, Benji. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was the album that Kurt Cobain apparently wanted to commit uh, commercial suicide with and it kind of backfired in a big way, didn't it? Eminem's The Marshall Mathers EP. Was that going to be called Amsterdam? The Thunder Suckle Fuzz Canyon? Or Graham's piano interludes and other surprises. Fucking hell, was it going to be called uh, Amsterdam? Yeah, yeah! Holy shit, yeah. how are you doing this? I don't know, Reese, because I know your sense of humour by now. <laughs> Arctic Monkeys, Suck It In Sea. One of the yeah. shittest names for an album. Yeah. Was it going to be called The Thundersuckle Fuzz Canyon? Beavis and Butt Bread? Glory Hole Salute? Uh, was it going to be... Ooh. Was that the third one about the glory hole? Glory hole salute? Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh. It was actually the Thunder Suckle Fuzz Canyon. Oh, is that the reason why you kept bringing that up more and more and more? To lure me into a false sense of security. All right. Yep. I'm yep. onto yep. your game now, you rogue. I'm onto it. I'm in your head, man. Four albums left. 
Metallica's yeah. Kill 'Em All. Was it going to be called Umbilical Detention, Six by Six by Six Grave, or Metal Up Your Ass? Metal Up Your Ass. Yeah, yeah. I remember the T-shirt vividly. Beastie Boys, licensed to ill. Was that going to be called Big Boys Frat Fuckhouse, Harassment Party, or Don't Be an F T, uh, homophobic slur? Ooh, I reckon it was the homophobic slur because they were big into that shit at the time, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Sadly, they were. They, yeah, I it mean, was going they, to be called Don't Be a Homophobic I mean, Slur. MCA, uh, to his credit, uh, on sure shot apologized for the misogyny that they went through. You kind of would have to, given that Ad Rock started going out with Kathleen Hanna shortly afterwards. So, why would you call an album that? That's absolutely ridiculous. They said it was being tongue in cheek, but was it? I don't know. Matt Bellamy, Edge Lord Styles. Anyway, next. Maybe they were hanging out in the Call of Duty lobby too much. <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm with you. Yeah. Was that going to be called? Tattooed Graffiti, Dr. Johnny Skins' Disproportionately Rambunctious Polar Express Machine Head, or Cat Scratcher for Mr. Marbles? Oh my god, Cat Scratcher for Mr. Marbles. I'm sorry! <laughs> I just wanted to say that. What was it then? Dr. Johnny Skins' Disproportionately Rambunctious Polar oh, Express Machine real. Head. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Cat Scratcher for Mr. Marbles is pretty good though, I will admit. It is very good. I thought that nah, they're not they're not getting funky anymore, so maybe they'll mellow it out a bit. Apparently not. And the last one. REM's nineteen ninety one hit album Out of Time. Was that going to be called Cat Butt, Hound Tongue, or Antlers in the Medicine Cupboard? Ooh. That's a trick question. It wasn't going to be called any of them. No, it's one of them. Uh, is it uh, Antlers in the Cupboard? I'm sorry. It was Cat Butt. Why were they going to call it Cat Butt? No one knows. I think it was like a joke name in that they were doing like an interview but as they were recording it and had the potential names on the whiteboard behind them. And one of the names was Cat Butt. But unlike Logic and Pork Chop Sandwich, they didn't go through with it. They were like, wouldn't it be funny if, ha, ha, ha. Let's never do it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really here. And have you ever been in a situation where you thought, "I really wish I didn't call that song that name," or are you just flawless when it comes to names of songs? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I could think of a couple. Actually, I don't know if I have. I really need to think about that. I've done some no, stupid I things. I, so. I run my mouth a lot, so. you know. But I would hope that I'm not still, you know, once I've made all my money. I hope I'm still not like a 40-year-old being like compliance, you know? When does it when does that kind of attitude end? Does it end anymore? I don't know. You know, maybe it's that thing, you know, Henry Rollins is like, stay angry, stay passionate. And I was like, yeah, but let's funnel that anger into something a bit more creative than just writing songs like, you know, fall into line, you will do as you're told, no choice fatigue, your blood is running cold, you know. We lose control, the world will fall apart, and all this sort of stuff, like, I understand, you know, the saying that you sort of die a conservative voter, and I don't believe that to be true, and I sincerely hope it isn't true. But I, thinking back to what Muse did on, like, the Top of the Pops or whatever it was, and Nirvana did where it was, like, obviously making fun that the TV show was asking them to do something they weren't comfortable with. Like, up until very recently, I would have thought that's fucking punk rock and that's funny, fuck the system. But now I think of it and I'm like, you know what, man, maybe I'm softening a little bit. It's like the TV show wants you to have a really good performance too. Like the sound guys know your live band's not going to sound good in a TV studio. So just have your backing track and we'll do live vocals. And the band took offense. No, we want to rock live. It's like, yeah, but you don't understand how sort of TVs work and the compression that it will do on the audio. You'll actually thank us for this if you just fucking just listen to other people who know. You know, we don't benefit from you having a shit show. We want viewers to tune in every week to see a hot musical act. And so maybe that's me sort of slowly maturing. But hopefully it's not like... Oh! Oh! 
Say that again, Reese, one more time. Maybe that's me, you know, realizing that life isn't black and white and there's, there's somebody's many growing up. It's all right. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't lead me to why do we need a booster shot? I'm just asking questions. You're allowed to ask questions though. It's what you do with that information. And how much you believe in empirical... Ah, oh, man, this is a, a a long conversation. A long conversation. Do you think that when Muse released this and all of their works, like, many, many years later, where we are now, Matt Bellamy's thinking, Jesus, this is worse than I anticipated. This is the most represented album in all of their set lists. Bands know when they were good. Like, bands really... You know when your songwriting is on point and And that... Brief spark of magic. And we'll talk about it next week with Crazy Town's The Gift of Game, in particular the Butterfly. I have a closing argument I'd like to make. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear it. There we go. Right. So I think for me, Muse is one of those bands that uh, if you're our generation. Generation. I think I think this album and Muse as a whole is what I would consider a college rock band. Not college rock in the in the nineties, but there's that kind of collegiate kind of attitude where you're at university over here in the UK, especially it was, Oh, do you like muse or, you know, do you like block party? There was a certain kind of, yeah, this is kind of like really cool and rocky, but like not too commercial, but palatable enough for everyone to get into it. And for that, yeah, it's great. And I won't lie. I, like I said, was subjected to this album quite a lot of the time. And uh, it has got some absolutely banging songs. Hysteria, Stockholm Syndrome, Sing for Absolution Can Get Fucked. And the pacing, <laughs> if they'd have stopped with this album, then I would have been like, yeah, that's perfect. They've made their money now and they're just doing their other things. But just the their overall not their overall demeanor just matt bellamy's overall demeanor i I just find it unlikable and i i think what puts me off going back to this album constantly is the fact that i have to subject myself to a near hour's worth of matt bellamy trying to do what tom york does but without any ingenuity in the singing whatsoever so thank you so much, Tom Morrison. We love it when people request albums. It's been a real, <laughs> real joy. Is that the second album he's picked where we've kind of... Di- you liked it. I didn't. I have to live with that. I'm seeing him before you, so... And But maybe also it was nice because think about it. What have we been doing? We've been doing a lot of heavier stuff. Uh, we've been doing American Head Charge, Dry Curl Logic, Rob Zombie, Drowning Pool. And it's like... Finally, something a little bit different, you know. Maybe I appreciate it after a month long, just like fucking guitars screaming in my head. Uh, have we had any fan letters, any fan emails? No, nothing. All right, good night.